Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, get out your bulletins. We've not had bulletins for 12 years, right? Um, All kidding aside, um, some announcements. First, thank everybody for your contribution towards the meals for the nurses. On Tuesday, we delivered 70 meals to the ER staff at San Antonio Hospital. Uh, They were very grateful. My daughter sent me a text and said it was a perfect day. They were very swamped. They didn't have time to really take breaks, and so having food there to be able to go in and get it was really helpful. She uh, saw 200 people in 10 hours checking, not actually admitting, but she just was at the front kind of talking to 200 people in 10 hours. That was on her shift. So just to let you guys know kind of what's happening uh, with that. And and so thank you guys for, again, that uh, helping to bless those. And we want to continue leaning into things like that. And another thing we are doing is collecting money for Haiti. We are wanting to buy Bibles for a village in Haiti uh, in their language, in Creole. And so we are raising money for that to work alongside with For a Reason. We have over $2,000 raised now. Uh, If you'd like to give towards that, you can online. Uh, You can do it in a number of ways. Now, I know some people have said that through, I don't know if it's Zelle, I think Venmo, you could always write a message in there, but I don't know if you can on Zelle. Um, And so you just have to send us a message. If you give something, write us and say, hey, I gave $50 towards whatever, I gave $10. $10 will buy a Bible in Creole for someone in Haiti. And so if you hear this and you want to help, you can in that way. And just let us know so we can direct the money for that. Um, Also, you know, continue to worship in your tithes and offerings just in the way that was listed there too because we are here because of your faithfulness and generosity in those things. And we're grateful for that. Um, I want to lean into us being the church again after COVID. I want to be able to start moving forward into doing things for our community and participating like we used to do. Uh, And and I know it's a difficult situation because so many things have changed and there's just a lot of, um, you know, questions. And one of the things about what's happening here, just to let you guys know, we've set up the canopies, but it's so blazing hot outside. I don't expect anyone to stay out there. And so I don't know if we're going to continue setting the canopies up if 
it's so hot and people aren't there. Um, so with that, we want to, again, be safe with what we're doing. And what safe looks like varies depending on so many circumstances. But this is my understanding and kind of where we are moving from, that if you have been vaccinated, you're pretty safe. And we're not worried about that. You can still get infected, but the infection is less, which means your ability to spread it is less. And your getting severely sick or dying is extremely low. If you're not vaccinated, that goes up. That's on you guys. We, we're not going to mandate people have a vaccine card to come in here. We're just letting you know kind of the situation. Children, this is the hard one. Um, you know, the first strain, it affected the children about the same as the flu did. And the children really weren't at risk, but it's different with the Delta variant. Um, there is a number, and I'm not sure of the number. I've heard different things. I've heard as high as 59 children in uh, Texas have died since school started in the first two weeks. I haven't verified that number, but I saw one report that was that high. But I've seen a number of reports where children have been dying. I don't know all the circumstances. Were there pre-line conditions? I don't know. But I do know that this variant is affecting children more. Because of that, we are not yet going to open up for the kids. That's what I think is best um, and what I feel safe with. But saying that, there is going to be a day when we are having our kids back and things open up. And when that day comes, we want to lean into that effectively. I've talked to the people at the martial arts studio up here about letting us use their space on Sunday for an hour so we have an extra space for the kids. And they're going to get back to me on that, a real nice couple. And Judah has gone there to do uh, martial arts. So we kind of know them just a little bit. But that's one of the things we want to do is have more rooms for the kids, but we also need more teachers. And so I throw that out to you. If you're interested, we've got a couple of people who have said that they were interested, but we're not doing that right now. But if you are interested, let me know. We're also looking into getting other people who can come in and do that, that we might pay for that Sunday just to do that class so that we have enough teachers all the time for the kids. These are things that we're looking to do in the future. I'm just letting you guys know because this is our community. We, we are doing things together as a church. There's other things that we can do or you can be involved with. There is the Meals on Wheels that we've talked about. No one has shown a lot of interest in that, so we're not continuing to mention it. But I hope that we will break out of maybe the ruts that we've gotten in over the last you know, year and a half and see where we can be of service. And it doesn't have to be me on wheels. It can be wherever you feel like you can do good, but you will step out and do good because I know a lot of us are just kind of traumatized with all the things that have happened where we're just frozen. Um, Eileen has also uh, talked to some people about the Choices Group, dealing with women in crisis for pregnancy. If you're interested in that, you can talk to her about that. It's areas where we can just lean in again and, and do good. 
because that is what we want to do and want to be as the church. And so these are some of the things that are here before us that we are kind of looking at. And so I just share these things with you. This is our announcements for this Sunday. Um, And now Ben's going to come up and he's going to share with us the scripture for this morning. All right, I'm going to read Matthew 5, 38 to 42 out of the ESV, English Standard Version. Version. And this is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, There's a lot going on, and Sam is doing a wonderful job at the announcements, but I think there's so much going on that sometimes it slips his mind. But there are three things going on this week at Genesis, which um, this Tuesday is this month's Art for Artists, which is at 7 p.m. here. And so if you have art, if you are any type of artist, painter, sculptor, singer, dancer, whatever it is, come bring your art and share with the community and kind of give and get so you get to learn, you get to see, you get to share. Um, On Wednesday, we do take two, which starts at 6.30, and we've been starting this really cool thing where we have food and drinks before we get to the talk show part, the community is coming together, and we talk as a community on level. And uh, then we get to listen to whoever the guest speaker is with Sam, chat it up. But it's a real good time. I've been coming as not the person on stage, but the person in the audience. And it's a good chance to have a good talk about what we are going to be going over on the Sunday. And then lastly, Friday, in the Genesis, build, uh, the Genesis Works building, there is something called the Night Sesh. And the Night Sesh is from 8 to 10 on Friday night. There's going to be live music there. And it's just time to come out and meet people, but more uh, aimed at if you are working on something, maybe you're writing a book, or you're working on some stained glass, or you're making some poetry or something. It's time to come out into a space that's kind of like an office space with some live music and other people who are creating in order to be in that atmosphere and get some work done. So um, it's free. There's food and snacks. And uh, you're all welcome to come. But yeah, thank you. Um, You know, all these things are opportunities to connect not only with each other, but with other people that maybe you don't know uh, who are part of our community. And so um, thank you, Jordan, for reminding me and us of those things. Um, okay. This and next week's where Jesus says, love your enemy, are, are probably the two least practiced teachings of Jesus um, because they are a challenge to us. And all of these things that we've been looking at are are connected to each other. You know, he started off with, you know, this heavy and light that we've been talking about. Don't commit murder. But then he says, but it starts with the anger and we have to understand that God is wanting to address heart issues. And the same thing with adultery and lust, that this is not something that is 
can be blamed on someone or taken lightly that there is the responsibility for the person in their heart to deal with what's going on and not to, we saw Jesus is actually changing the the playing field where it was used against women in a a large uh, way. And then the same thing with the idea of divorce, where it was, again, very one-sided and women were being abused in this area. And Jesus then talks about oaths and our yes is yes and no is no. And all these things, it's like sausage, right? When you're making sausage and they're all connected by those links, all these things are connected to one another. And today is no different. And at first sight, this can sound very barbaric. You know, in verse 19, he says, or verse um, 38, if you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I mean, it's just like, oh man, this is just seems very barbaric and, and how it's presented. But actually this was when it was given a huge step forward in justice. And These passages where Jesus is talking about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth are taken from the Torah. We're going to go to a couple of them. There's actually more, but we're going to look at two of them. One is in Leviticus 24, verse 19 and 20. And it says, if anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Another is in Exodus 21, verse 23 to 25. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And again, it seems like fracture for fracture, burn for burn. Man, I just got these pictures in my mind of people like, you burned me, I'm going to burn you, right? It just seems barbaric. But what this is meant to do is to restrict retaliation so that what is being done isn't going to escalate into more. And by the time of Jesus, when when these things were taking place, it wasn't so much that, okay, man, you poked my eye out. I'm going to come get your eye. These things were taken before the elders at the city gate, and there they would talk to people about what was happening. And most of them were dealt with not in a physical text or context, but in a monetary way where it's like, this person injured me, broke my arm, and I was unable to work for two months. Okay, you owe this person this much money. So that's kind of where it developed and went to through this time. But the whole point of this was to stop the escalation. And that was something that was pretty prevalent, and I think we understand that even today. Otherwise, you know, it was going to become this world of people wearing patches because all everyone's eyes are poked out, right? I mean, it's like the denture salesman would have all kinds of business because no one's got teeth left. But I want to look at a passage in Judges where we see that this wasn't done and what happens when it's not practice, when it's not eye for eye, tooth for tooth, when there is not restriction 
And in Judges 15, a familiar story in verse 1, we see, after some days at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat, as one does, right? (laughs) And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber, but her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. Okay, so yeah, there's something going on here, right? So, so this is an insult to Samson, right? And I don't think Samson is the most, I mean... Samson, as we see in the story, is not the best guy, right? So there might even be some truth to what the father is saying, but Samson is being insulted here by his father-in-law. And so we see in verse 3 Samson's response. Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain and the Philistines set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain as well as the olive orchards. Again, it's like, what the heck, right? This is just like crazy stuff. But, you know... (laughs) Yeah, this is perfectly normal, right? Tie some foxes together and send them out into the fields and burn the crops. But what we're seeing here is this escalation, right? You insulted me by giving my wife away, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to destroy your crops and your livelihood. Because that seems like the better thing. How dare you do that to me? So, right, well, that's enough, right? No, it goes on in verse 6. Then the Philistine says, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Tenite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. So the Philistines then killed him. Okay, you're going to burn our crops? We'll burn your people. Verse 7. Samson said to them, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. And so it goes on that Samson is allowed to be captured and he's bound. And he ends up in verse 15. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck a thousand men. And what we're seeing is this escalation. You insult me. I'm going to destroy something. I'm going to destroy something. I'm going to destroy something more. And the story of Samson ends with his eyes gouged out and him killing a stadium full of people, right? Just another happy children's Bible story. This is what an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, is meant to stop, this retribution. It's meant to develop this kind of code where we don't just take it upon ourselves and go and get vengeance. And that was, I mean, it's a very embryonic stage of social justice at that time. This is how we need to deal with one another. And Jesus is now coming into this understanding 
and he's going to flip it again. So this time of, you know, I'm going to get you for what you did for me is being quenched by the, the standard. You will not do that eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We're going to limit the retribution. And Jesus is saying, you haven't gone far enough. We need to go even further still. You know, this idea of you love those who love you, you hate those who hate you, you give to those who can repay you, you honor those who can honor you, it's very reciprocal. This reciprocity, I'll scratch your back because you can scratch mine. And that's how people were living. That's how I think people still live in a large way today. And Jesus is going to reimagine this social construct of you harm those who harm you and you do good to those who can only do good to you. He doesn't say that this system is wrong or hasn't got a place, but in the kingdom of God, which looks like Jesus, there's more. There is forgiveness, there is reconciliation, there is generosity. And so when he starts out this, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Okay, here we go, right? Anyone else, when you hear, do not resist the one who is evil, get a little shiver down your spine and say, what do you mean by that, right? Because I go all kinds of places in my mind with people who are evil, and what about the Hitlers, and what about, right? But understand, the first thing is this is in a social context, This is dealing in a place of community. This isn't talking in a global situation. This isn't talking about war situation. This isn't talking about what happens if someone breaks into your house. This is how we interact with people into society. And it's important that we start there because otherwise we can go some crazy places. And so it starts off in this social context, your interaction with others in that social construct. And second, that word resist is important because what it means is do not compete with an evil person in their wrongdoing. Think of arm wrestling. You see those guys with the big old arms, right? They're arm wrestling. There's resistance going on there. They're trying to push towards something. And he's saying, don't resist. Don't go in that direction of competition for the sake of winning. Again, it's a social setting. And we're dealing with personal insults, not criminal things. Not this, these are things that are dealing with something done to you personally, not a crime against you that needs to go to a judge, per se. And I think it's important to see that this is where he's trying to get is how we deal with one another in society and with our lives. And this idea of how do you not resist the one who is evil, fortunately, Jesus gives us four examples of what that looks like because that's what he does in the next things. He's showing us what that looks like, so it helps us understand what that means. And the first one is dealing with this idea of a slap. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, again, this sounds like we're to just be passive. Someone slaps me, I just got to take it. But that is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, it is 
not passive at all. And it's so difficult because we are so removed from the culture at that time to understand how things happened. I mean, even in our time now, right, there was a time where whooping your kids was a normal thing. And you just talked about it and you saw it at the store. And now, depending on where you live, it's not so common, right? Now you can get CPS to your door if someone, you know, sees you mishandling your kid for any reason, right? And, and so we've seen a change even in our society of how things are looked at and seen. Imagine now 2,000 years ago. And it's important to see that in the Hebrew writings, the Mishnah, and what the Mishnah is, is kind of a commentary, the Jewish commentary on how to interpret the laws. And they gave more laws so that they could fine tune how these laws were played out. And in the Mishnah, if you were slapped on your right cheek and they found that it was without cause, there was a fine. And the fine was four times more than if it was your left cheek right? Okay. And think about this too. To slap someone, you would use your right hand because that's your dominant hand. And the left hand was used for hygiene. I'll let you go where that goes, okay? And so the right hand is what you would communicate when you would slap someone. So to slap someone on the right cheek with your right hand, you would have to backhand them, right? Imagine you're looking in a mirror and that's the other person and you were gonna slap them on the right cheek, you would have to, with your right hand, use the back of your hand. That was an insult. And this is an idea of superiority and inferiority. The right hand was always used because it was the dominant hand and you get the picture that you are putting this person into a place. This is the master-servant situation. It was humiliating and insulting. And so when someone comes up to you and slaps you on the right cheek, backhands you, they're insulting you, they're degrading you, they're seeing you as less than and them as greater than, what Jesus does is amazing. He doesn't say, just take it, man, just take it. He says, offer them the other cheek, which would be what? The left cheek. Now, the left cheek meant something totally different. That's what you did to someone who was your equal. And so now what you are doing is not retaliating, but you are presenting yourself as their equal but in a way that is not aggressive. And now they are left with, how do I deal with someone who's not retaliating, who's not just being subdued and like, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, but is coming out to me and saying, you can hit me again, but you're gonna do it now on this side. It's pretty brilliant. Present yourself as their equal, not in retaliation which puts the shame now on them because you neither are coward and running away or fighting back. What's happening is their evil is being exposed and disarmed by creative 
nonviolent love. And remember, too, that a lot of what Jesus has been saying is in hyperbole. So it's not like, yeah, you got to go get slapped. He's giving these examples that would be very plain to them, what is meant, that then can be applied into so many of life's situations, not just if you're slapped or not. He goes on and he gives another example. Verse 40, and if they would sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. Now, a person had two garments at that time, right? They had the tunic, which was basically what they wore, and they had nothing on underneath it. It was like their clothes, but it was also their underwear. And then they had their cloak, which they wore on top. In the law, it was forbidden to take a person's cloak as a... a you know, uh, what is the word when this a payment? Yeah, a payment or if they owed you some collateral, right? Hey, you owe me some money. I'm going to take your coat. They could not keep their coat over the night because that was often the blanket they would use to keep warm. And so that cloak was then something that they would have to give back because they couldn't withhold that from them. Another thing to understand is that nakedness was shameful, A person was not to be seen naked. If someone sues you and takes your garment, well, you still have your cloak to cover you. You know, you owe me something. I want your clothes because that's about all you got, so I'm going to take that. So you give them their clothes. Now all you've got is your cloak. Giving them your cloak also makes you naked. And it puts the shame back on them. Will you have me be naked Will you do that to me? Again, it is exposing their evil of how greedy they are wanting to be and how right they are wanting to be. And so what you're doing is showing their aggression, their lack of compassion, taking what would be shameful and making them responsible for that shame. So though it would be shameful to be naked, what you are doing is exposing their shame by forcing you to be naked. And again, he's challenging heart issues. Really, is that the only way you can deal with someone is by taking their cloak, taking their tunic? Is that the way you have to deal with someone is by backhanding them? Is that the way you have to deal with someone is by doing this eye for eye tooth for tooth, reciprocity. The next one, the extra mile, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And many of you are aware of this, that the Roman soldiers could pick anybody and have them take their equipment, their supplies, and make them walk with them for 1,000 feet, approximately a mile. I mean, that's what happened with... Jesus's cross, right? They found Simon. They said, hey, you got to carry this cross up to here because Jesus couldn't do it. They could just pull you, and it was humiliating. You're on your way to work. You're going to see your girlfriend. I don't know what you're going to do, right? You're going somewhere, and some Roman soldier says, hey, you, take my stuff, and you got to carry it for him for one mile. How humiliating. I'm being treated like an animal. I'm like a mule to you. I have no value. I just have to do what you say. But what happens when your obligation is over? 
you've done your one mile. And you say, no, I can keep going. Now it's choice. They wanted to treat you like an animal and you claim your sovereignty and take theirs away. Dang, right? This is like heavy stuff. You might be able to make me do this, but I can respond not in a negative way, not in a hostile way, but in a way that shows I have the freedom to be good and I will expose your shame by my good. Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but that gives me goosebumps. That just makes me think, man, how do I do that today? And how do I do it for the right reasons? Because some of my reasons are just like, I just want to show you your shame, buddy, right? That's on me. This, again, is how you restrain or resist an evil person. And it's anything but passive. Last week, we, we talked about using God talk to manipulate people and to elevate ourselves. We talked about the pride, about the ego. And this is flipping the tables on pride and allowing us to be free from the need to protect my honor. And more than that, exposing the other person's wrong without reciprocity. Not allowing them to give you value, but you maintaining value and exposing them in the process. Some believe that Jesus is opening opportunity also for others to rally behind those who are being taken advantage of. Have you ever seen a situation where someone's being abusive to someone and the crowd rallies around that other person? It's powerful. It's beautiful, right? When they say, no, hey, stop that. We're going to intervene on their behalf because we are seeing what you're doing and we don't like it. And Jesus is making opportunity for that to take place. See, Torah limited revenge. Jesus taught the abandonment of vengeance for personal insult and to react in creative ways that value your dignity as being created in the image of God and holding that other person accountable to their image as being created in the image of God. And so he's raising the bar in a huge way. And think of how much we do today that is still this reciprocity, right? Tweet for tweet, post for post. How it shows up in our political systems, how it shows up in our religious systems where we've got, you know, our, our, we're, we're fighting for our rights and we're vilifying the other people and we're doing it, you know, with this attitude of I'm right and then people come back and then they fight against it and it's just ongoing and it snowballs and, and it doesn't bring about the kingdom character that Jesus is presenting here. Now, 
there's lots of questions I have about this because this doesn't deal with, you know, penalties for people who do violent crimes, right? I, I mean, Jesus isn't talking about that here. And so there's a lot that maybe we can take from this into that sphere, but we just can't bring it straight across. There's a lot of things that this isn't addressing and a lot of questions that I do have, but think about how it does shape our mentality when we're wanting to bring about a kingdom character, a a kingdom kind of quality in our actions and the things that we do in all circumstances, right? And when we see examples like Gandhi, who through nonviolence really overthrew Great Britain's rule of India, we see MLK and, and what he did in the civil rights movement, even in the march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, where there was the bloody Sunday that was televised and where everyone saw what happened, so much so that the shame of that moment caused the laws to be changed where they could go back under the protection because it was so shameful to see what was done. And I see these parallels here where we can take this, I'm going to represent humanity the way God sees humanity, and I'm going to expose the shame that others are trying to inflict. And by doing that, I'm hoping to instill in the hearts of people what God has put there and desires for us, how we are supposed to live. The intention is not to shame the other, but it's not to be driven by ego or vengeance, but to raise the value of humanity as Jesus did. The last example, he says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And again, this has to do with This isn't to make something to your advantage. This isn't about you. The idea of begging is someone who cannot repay. And so what we're doing is I'm not going to loan to you for interest so I can get more. You're coming to me in a position that can't be repaid, and so I'm going to show generosity. And again, we have to take this and apply it in our society in ways that are applicable, right? Because there are so many people who beg. There are signs now in cities that say, you know, say no to panhandling. And how are we to address these things? And I've shared this with you guys before. You know, sometimes we can enable people by giving to them to stay where they're at. The people I know who have been homeless and some of the people I love who have been homeless, to get them off the streets took more than money. It took time. It took being there. It took getting them to the right place. It took getting them the job. And sometimes giving them the money actually kept them on the streets. And and so we have to take these things and, and put them into our 
society in a way that recognizes what was trying to do is help someone out. And sometimes helping them doesn't mean giving them money. Sometimes helping them means giving them time. And I tell you, time is a whole lot harder to give. It's easy. Hey, here's some money. But who's got the time to help that person take care of their tickets that are still on their record so that they can get a clean slate so that they can actually get things settled in the court so that they can actually get a job, right? I mean, I remember sitting with someone in court for like four hours just waiting for them to release them from this warrant that was over them for, you know, uh, I forget it was privacy invasion or something. They were sleeping on someone's property, I was like, man, that was four hours just to get that out of the way so that they could take care of something else so they could go into a place and not have a ticket over their head where they would be going to jail if they were caught somewhere. It takes a lot more. And I I think that's the biggest problem we're having is, is it's costing us more of our time where we would rather just give our money And what Jesus is trying to do is elevate humanity to a place where we see the importance of how we interact with each other. And it's not a commodity that I give and I get. And you take and I take back. All of these things are ways that we can resist what is evil. And just in closing through this section and through what we've been through so far, far, you would not hear the things that Jesus is saying and think that he's telling us, when you die, you get to go to heaven and everything's going to be good, right? There's nothing in this that has that kind of escape clause to it. Everything in this is about how we interact with one another and how we live together. It's pressing us into the heart of humanity to exist with one another. And it's pushing us in difficult ways because it's harder to resist evil than it is to reciprocate, to throw back the insult. It's harder It costs me more, and it costs my ego a lot, which is probably the point. And so hearing these words of Jesus, don't think he's telling you to be passive, because he's not. What he's doing is telling you to be active for the kingdom's sake in a way that represents the kingdom well. And understand that it's a call to activity, but in a different way, maybe, than we've been used to. And maybe we have to wrestle this out in other areas of our society, but in our social structure, this should be a base for us to build from. Because remember, the whole point of this is your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And this is what it looks like to be poor in spirit, to be meek to be a person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, to be a peacemaker. This is what the kingdom looks like. What kind of action would those people take? 
and make actions like this that I think challenge us all. Let's pray. Father, once again, I am challenged by you, and I pray that I would examine my heart and how I want to respond when I feel insulted, when my ego is bruised, when I feel that I need to defend myself, where I, I am feeling attacked and I don't want to be a punching bag for someone in their comments or their thoughts. Lord, help me to divide the line between reciprocating in a way that causes more injury or raising the bar and challenging someone to live higher. Help us be the people who can do that. Lord, I know some of us here have been hurt by others who are very defensive. Lord, I know I am. Help us not to be so quick-tempered to respond. Lord, help us to to step back to hear your words and, and to allow them to challenge and reimagine what justice can look like in society, how we can be better, have a higher standard. And I pray, God, that you would reveal those things to us by your spirit at those times that they're necessary. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good stuff. Guys, remind you, I'm going to be talking right afterwards with you guys about this. If you have any questions, I'd love to hash over some of these things with you guys. So I'll be right up here. Talk if you guys want to talk further. That's um, May the Lord grant you the strength to resist evil this week. And may you raise the bar to the kingdom standards in your life and in the world around you. God bless you guys. Love you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.